0: Good morning. <clears throat> Several years ago, uh, I was one of the key leaders in a thriving ministry that was at a major church. And God was doing amazing things uh, through that ministry and I was really excited that I got to be a part of it. Uh, but one day, I made a decision uh, to do something that was sinful and uh, it, it was something that I had made a specific promise not to do while I was in leadership. And and, and to be honest, it, it was um, something that I immediately regretted. I kind of scolded myself. I was like, what are you thinking? You shouldn't be doing this. I said a prayer of, reprent, of repentance, and I asked God to forgive me. And I, I even reached out to one of my mentors, and I confessed my sin, and I let him know uh, what had happened, and that I had repented, and that it wasn't going to be a problem uh, going forward. And, and to be honest, I was telling myself that this wasn't really that big of a deal. It was kind of a, a momentary lapse of judgment. But a few weeks later, the the leader of this ministry called me into an office, and and he sat me down. He asked me about this, if if it was true. And uh, he listened to me as I kind of shared my story and told him about how quickly I'd repented. And he agreed with me that, that that was a sign that the Holy Spirit was at work in my life. And and we rejoiced about that together. And then he said, Brandon, I think you should step down from leadership for six months. And I, I couldn't believe it. I, it. It seemed to me like this was a punishment, like it was a a severe punishment for such a small infraction. And and I thought about what it would mean because I was such a visible, prominent part of the ministry when people saw that I was no longer doing things. I was no longer on stage. I knew that people would know that I was under some kind of discipline. And I was telling myself, like, I'm doing so much good in the lives of other people, and I won't be able to do that anymore. And I really didn't understand His decision. But he insisted that I spend six months. He said, simply attend the ministry. Don't don't do any more service. Just come and focus on on your relationship with Jesus. Now, I'd be lying if I told you that I had a great attitude about this and and, and, uh, that I wasn't upset, but uh, I did know this man, and he knew me. And I know that he loved me and he loved my family. And so I submitted to his leadership and I did as he asked. I have to tell you that six months uh, was, was one of the hardest and most humbling periods of my life. But it, it turned out that there were all kinds of things going on inside of me, that, things that I had been really too busy to pay attention to. And God gently and patiently revealed things to me that I needed to address. And when my kind of forced sabbatical was finally over, you know, I I looked back and I saw that I had really been serving out of a very unhealthy place, that had I continued the way things had been going, I would have burned out, I would have fallen into a deeper pattern of sin. I'd been on the precipice of of something uh, out of my control. But after this six months, when I returned to ministry, I was refreshed, and, and I was healthier than I had ever been before, and I was much better poised to be in a place to be of real help to others. You know, I think back to that day often, that meeting and it's not because I remember how bad I felt or, or it's not because I have resentment towards him. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I, I, I think how difficult it must have been for him to say that to me, to, to kind of put his foot down and say, I think I see something going on and I want to address it. No doubt he and others had to pick up the slack while, while I wasn't serving, but, but it was more than that. It, as a leader, it's difficult for us to, to disappoint people, to speak truth to them in love. When we do that, we risk being rejected by them. We risk breaking a relationship. We risk having people leave a ministry. And that's the last thing we want as leaders. And I think back, and I'm so grateful that he did what he did, that he stood up for what he knew was right, because he knew that I had blind spots, that I needed rest and clarity more than a place to serve. He cared more about my soul than he did about the service that I could offer to the church. And he was shepherding me. He, he was guiding me away from a danger that I couldn't even see. And ultimately, he helped me to grow and mature in ways that I never would have stumbled upon in my own understanding. Later on, he mentored me as I became an elder at that church, and and he championed me as I went to seminary and became a pastor in this church. And he saw all of that potential in me back then, long, long before I saw it. I, I feel like we're kind of in a crisis in our church today, not at New City, the Big C Church, uh, God has called us to be a part of his church, to submit ourselves to the loving guidance and care of those that he calls shepherds. But all too often, I think we've kind of outsourced this role to other people and things in the world instead. We put our hope and our trust in politics and in pop psychology, in self-help schemes and and unbiblical ideas and concepts and we read books and we listen to podcasts we join clubs and we seek the advice of so-called experts and and you know there's nothing inherently wrong with with some of those things except that they are separate and distinct from God's way a way that involves knowing and being known by someone who keeps watch over our souls as if they will have to give an account of it to God one day. So today and next Sunday, I I want us to examine what does Scripture say about this idea of shepherding care within our church? See, over and over again in Scripture, God brings us back to this metaphor of a shepherd keeping careful watch over his flock. And first, I want to see what the Bible says shepherd and care is, and then next week, we'll talk about who are those shepherds that God has placed in our lives. So, the first thing uh, we need to talk about is that we need to be shepherded. Now, I'm a pastor. uh, The word pastor kind of means shepherd. Uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the concept of of shepherding a flock and I have to confess that that I often think of you all as uh, sheep as as my sheep. Uh, in my mind it's kind of an endearing thought it's special I'm I, I'm, I'm honored and privileged that God uh, gives me the opportunity to be an expression of his gospel to you. but a good friend of mine recently reminded me that, that being called a sheep is, is not generally considered a good thing. Uh, it made me think of this show that I've recently watched on, on Amazon. Uh, it's about a British celebrity who bought a farm, and and on this farm he has some sheep, and he he just keeps commenting episode after episode about how dumb they are, and and how stubborn they are, and how frustrating it is that that they're constantly. Uh, resisting his attempts to keep them safe and fed, right? You know, at one point, though, he weeps like a baby when, when he helps birth one of them. But most of it is just kind of him comically reacting to uh, how silly sheep are. The reality is that sheep aren't the smartest of creatures, and, and this is why sheep need a shepherd to tend to them. In this way, we're all like sheep. Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Every one of us has, at one time or another, to one degree or another, decided that we know better. We know a better way, better than our friends better than our parents, better than our teachers, better than anyone who came before us in history, and yes, better than God. We all have this desire to be the one who is in control. But this self-confidence and this independence, this conviction that we know the best way, unless it is aligned with the revealed will of God. It is a path that leads us only to destruction. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now, God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel using a shepherding metaphor. Ezekiel 34, verses 15 through 23. I want to read them to us. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with your side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd." So we see here in this passage that the fat and the strong sheep kind of bully the weaker sheep. And if there was no shepherd, the flock would be scattered abroad. They would become prey to the predators who kind of creep around the edges of the fold waiting for a sheep to wander away. Without a shepherd, the sheep would have to eat what has been trodden by the bigger sheep's feet and drink water that has been muddied by their feet. This is how it is for us as well. God said he would send his servant David to be our shepherd. Well, this is a reference to Jesus, the, the king who will sit forever on David's throne. But when we lose sight of our shepherd, that's when we wind up in trouble. We get bullied but, without a shepherd, we're susceptible to those who would who would bully us with their own ideas of the right way to go. Remember, these are ways that seem right to us, but they're actually a way unto death. And, and maybe bullies isn't a fair term here because I, I think so often, maybe most often that that these are people who who do not have a malicious intent. These are people who really Uh, want to do good, and they feel so strongly about their wrong ideas that they kind of push us with their side and shoulder, and they kind of thrust with their horns. And to be honest, they can be very persuasive. And if we're not checking in with the shepherd and comparing any so-called truth against the truth of the revealed Word of God, it's easy for us to be led astray by those who have good intentions. When churches compromise on the truth of the Scripture, we see time and, and time again that they become more and more susceptible to the whims of our culture. Those whims often sound nice, don't they? Let's be more inclusive. Let's be more tolerant of others. Let's be all about love and grace. But so often these concepts, they become so separated from the holiness of God that they do nothing to address the destructive nature of our sin and our desperate need for the godly grief that produces a repentance that leads to a salvation without regret, as it says in 2 Corinthians. We take our eyes off the shepherd, we're bullied, but we also may wander abroad Without a shepherd to guide us, we're going to go to places that we should not go. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, it helps us to keep our eyes off of our idols. It's so easy for us to be drawn into the things of the world that promise that they will satisfy us. Wealth, pleasure, power, often good things but they will never satisfy us. They can't satisfy us more than for a brief moment before they leave us feeling even emptier than we were before. And this is because it is only the grace of Jesus that is sufficient for us. We get bullied and we wander, but we may also become prey. When we're away from the watchful eyes of our Savior, we open ourselves up to those predators who would ensnare us with half-truths and wise-sounding arguments. And these are malicious. They are designed to draw us away from God. Maybe these predators want to use us or get something from us, or maybe they're angry with God and they're seeking to do harm to His church, but there are wolves who prey upon God's sheep. You know, it occurred to me that it's becoming more and more common for our young people to to encounter wolves when they go away from home to university, away from the watchful eyes of their parents for the first time. there's, There's plenty of temptation just in that. But even those people who are sometimes appointed to kind of watch over them, Their professors, their administrators, sometimes they, even they, are deliberately encouraging them to abandon the traditions of their upbringing, to abandon the church. And this is why I'm so grateful that that God sends shepherds into these situations, often through campus ministries, through RUF, through crew, through uh, campus outreach these men and women, they're very truly watching out for the souls of our children in this season of their life. So many of you have shared your testimonies with me about how you met Jesus when you were in college, how a campus minister came alongside of you and shepherded you during that season of temptation and questioning and coming to make your parents' faith your own. But all of our lives we have a need to be shepherded. Lest we be bullied or we wander on our own or we get attacked by predators. None of us can do it on our own. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have a tendency to go our own way. But the good news is that we have a good shepherd. And Jesus himself claimed to be that good shepherd. In John 10... Uh, Verses 11 through 16, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Our way is a path unto death, but the shepherd's way is the path to life. And Jesus, our good shepherd, spells this out for us in his word, What his way is all about. And his way is that we are shepherded through the church. Jesus' way is the church. But I think many times we look at the church and we see her flaws. And we, you know, we've listened to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, and we've heard stories about what's going on in the denominations and in our denomination, and we see things that we don't like, and we want to run the other way. And we tell ourselves things like, well, I can just have a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't need His church And after all, Jesus referred to himself as the way, right? In John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's true. But we cannot claim a personal relationship with Jesus. We cannot say that we believe in him, We cannot say that we follow him. We cannot say that we are submitted to his lordship if we reject his way as it is revealed in scripture. The early church, we read in Acts 22, what was it called? It was called the way. The church is Jesus' plan. And he revealed this in no uncertain terms to Peter and the rest of the disciples before he went to the cross. in Matthew 16, 18, he said, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, the word Peter and the word rock, they both, they sound the same. So Jesus is doing a little play on words here. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, after his death and resurrection, Jesus had another moment with Peter. You guys remember Peter, Peter had denied Christ three times after he was arrested. Well, the, well this moment uh, in John 21 is, is when Jesus lovingly calls Peter back into ministry, reminding him that he was going to plant a church. And you know he chose, you might guess, He chose a shepherding metaphor as he cast this vision. John 21, 15 through 19. When when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This may be my favorite moment in all of scripture. Because Peter had blown it, right? All that time and effort that Jesus had invested in him as a leader had seemingly been for nothing. Because when it really mattered, Peter had fallen short. And I bet that when Jesus showed up again after the resurrection, that that only made it worse for Peter. Peter that he only felt that pain more acutely as a reminder, as a highlight of how incredibly wrong and sinful his betrayal of Jesus had been. And he had no reason to expect that Jesus would want to build his church on him now. He hadn't been a rock. He had crumbled like sand. But here was the truth of this, in church, Don't miss this. Jesus didn't choose Peter because he was faithful or zealous or good or strong or gifted. He chose him because he loved him. This is why he's stressing love in this conversation. And notice that that he ends this little exchange, right, with the words, follow me. Think about it. These were perhaps the first words that Jesus spoke to Peter. Remember, he saw Peter and his brother fishing and and he said to them, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It was a calling into the ministry and Jesus brings these words to Peter again saying, I still wanna build my church for you. This is how it is with you and I. God does not look at our successes or our failures in life to determine whether or not we belong to his flock. Scripture tells us that he chose us before the foundations of the world simply because of his great love for us. And, and though our sin created this, this great chasm between us and the father that a chasm that we could never fill with enough good works we could never throw enough good works in there to find our way across god's word says that while we were still sinners christ died for us and better still romans tells us that we're adopted into his family jesus not only saved us to give us eternal life but also to invite us into ministry with him as a part of his church, just as he did with Peter. And getting back to shepherding care, we see that that Jesus tells Peter, if you love me, if you're still in on this church planning venture, then feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. This was the command that Jesus left with Peter of all the things that he could have said to the rock on which he built his church church he said be a shepherd care for the flock because i care for the flock So do you see it, New City? The church is about caring for the sheep. It's about feeding them the word of God and tending to their needs, both spiritual and physical, protecting them from the wolves, and yes, even from themselves. All we, like sheep, need to be shepherded, and the shepherds are found within the church. So so that brings us to a question of like, What does shepherding care look like in a healthy church? What do shepherds do? Well, you didn't really think I was going to get through a whole sermon on shepherding and not read Psalm 23. So here it is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, who are the shepherds within God's church. But to to see what shepherds are all about, we can look to the example of the good shepherd and and Psalm 23. These are are two big passages where, where God describes himself as a shepherd, where he establishes a standard. This is what I saw as I looked at these passages. I saw that shepherds know Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me. And Jesus, you know, is Emmanuel, God with us. He he became like us so that he could dwell among us and so that we could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Good Shepherd is relational, he is present. And in healthy churches, the shepherds are involved in the lives of the people. They spend time with them. They get to know them, and they allow themselves to be known. Shepherds are those kind of people who show up in the difficult moments, you know, in the hospitals or in the funeral parlors and those times when they can't do anything to make it at all better, but they can be present and they can pray and they can share a comforting verse or two. They're also the kind of people who show up in those those moments and share in our joys, celebrating alongside of us in our milestones. And beyond being present, a shepherd listens and is a confidant. Uh, In recovery, we have this saying, we say, we're only as sick as our secrets. See, it's important for us to, to bring things into the light with someone who is trustworthy. When we confess our sins one to another, as, as uh, James tells us, uh, we experience healing. Shepherds, they can hear the worst about us. And they can even acknowledge it as sin. And then they're the ones who remind us that Jesus died for that sin and that he forgives us that he has grace for us and mercy. So often, people hesitate to join a church because they're afraid that the church is gonna be in their business. Well, there should be healthy boundaries, of course. But the idea that your church wouldn't know anything about you, well, that, that's one of those ways that seems right to a man but leads unto death. Because Jesus' vision for the church is that we would be like family, intimately familiar with one another's lives. The shepherds know, but they also feed. Jesus Jesus was all about food. Right, like Just read through the New Testament. You always see that Jesus is having a meal with somebody. He does so much ministry just sitting across the dinner table from people. And Jesus definitely taught us that we should be merciful, that we should be helping those who don't have enough to eat. And yet, despite the importance of physical food, I believe that when Jesus told Peter, feed my lambs, that he was talking about the word of God. In John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. See, shepherds are, are the people in our lives. They're, they're always bringing us back to the word of God. The, whatever issue we're discussing, they're always reminding us and showing us how Jesus is the solution, is the answer to what we face. And sometimes this happens on Sunday morning. I hope some of you feel like you're being fed right now. But maybe most often this happens in other moments. Those who disciple us, those who teach us how to feed ourselves daily. Now that's shepherding. Shepherds know and they feed but they also lead us. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave us this great commission, right? He told us the mission of his church, to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them. To teach them what? To obey all that he has taught us. He could have simply said, teach them everything that I taught you, but that's not what he said. Instead, he's instructed us to teach them obedience. Now, that's a tall order. See, it's not enough to simply teach someone all the rules and then say, okay, go follow all those rules. It's just like with children. Obedience is learned, but it's learned by having things modeled. And it's learned through Discipline. As our children witness us having integrity even when no one else is looking, even when it's difficult, well, then they learn integrity. When our children see us repent and seek forgiveness, then they learn to also be reconciled with those they're in conflict with. When they see us pray in times of need and in times of plenty, when they see us worship in times of need and in times of plenty, then they learn how to pray and how to worship. And so it is with shepherds. They, they help us to learn obedience in Christ by modeling obedience in Christ. And sometimes they may hold us accountable, maybe even bringing discipline in the hope that it will draw us to repentance and return our gaze to Jesus. Shepherds uh, know and feed and lead. The last thing I wanted to draw out of this text is that shepherds protect. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch us out of Jesus' hand. He laid down his life for us that we might have eternal life and he did not fail at that attempt. He succeeded. And we can know with certainty that we will never perish. But the wolves will come and they'll try to convince us that our salvation is uncertain. And if we let ourselves be led astray, we may even come to believe that lie. but a shepherd will keep those wolves away. A shepherd will bring the light of the gospel to the forefront and remind the sheep to whom they belong. I think back to those six months when I was humbled, when I was removed from leadership and I felt despair and I wondered if I had blown everything. There was a shepherd who came alongside me during those days. She was a mentor and she was a good friend. I remember how she told me one day, she said, Brandon, everyone here sees you as a leader, whether or not you're getting up on that stage. This isn't the end of your story, it's the beginning of the next big chapter. I needed to be reminded that no one could snatch me out of The shepherd's hand. New City, it can be difficult to be a part of the church. She isn't perfect. Yeah, I used to have a pastor, he he would always say, Sometimes the sheep stink and sometimes they bite. And that's true. But the church is the way of Jesus, and it is where we find the shepherds. And all we like sheep we so desperately need them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. I thank you, Lord, that you don't just leave us to our own ideas and our own ways, that you don't just leave us to be carried along by the wind and the whims of our culture and the people who would seek to harm us, but that you know us, that you keep careful watch over us, and that you have placed people in our lives who watch over our souls as those who will have to give an account to you one day. Lord, we know that this doesn't mean that we will not suffer hardship or go through difficult times. We know, Lord that bad things happen to good sheep. But we also know, Lord, that you have us in your hand and that no circumstances can snatch us away, that no person of ill intent or misguided good intent could take you away. And we thank you for that certainty and that assurance. I thank you, Lord, for the shepherds in my life I thank you, Lord, that I get to shepherd others. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Pastor Ryan here. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us and watched one of our online sermons. Our vision as a church is to live as the family of God, together proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of grace to one another in our city. If you don't have a church home or you're looking for a church, we'd invite you to attend one of our in-person worship gatherings so you can experience all that God has for us as a community of believers on mission.